You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we have Brandon Lytle with us. So Brandon is the Director of Strategic Partnerships um, for Site Improve. And a really cool company that we're going to have a chance to, to learn a lot about. But Brandon, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. How's the, how's the summer going for you? We've waited a long time for this, uh, being in Minneapolis. So um, summer is going extremely well. It's been hot. We're in a drought. Um, but outside of that, uh, we're soaking it up as much as, as, much as possible. Absolutely. Good. So the the heat uh, heat's kind of getting to you guys a little bit. I know you guys are, are known for all the lakes, man. So hopefully you can put that into the schedule on a on a frequent basis to get up there and have a way to cool off. Yeah, we have plenty of them. I've been up a few times this summer uh, with the family to get up north and and trying to soak it in as, as much as possible. Because next thing you know, we'll have a foot of snow. <laughs> exactly. You'll be uh, you'll be skating on them, right? You'll be ice skating on them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yep. Well, Brandon, man, I'd love to just jump into, you know, into your, your background. And uh, it's always fun to, to understand how people, you know, bust into the, the corporate world and then how they make their way to the partnering profession. Would you, love, uh, would you, know, would you mind just kind of sharing your background with us and, and let us know what kind of path you took? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. It's been a wild ride. And um, I've been lucky with the people that I, I've been able to collaborate with. Um, I mean, coming out of college, I didn't really know necessarily what I wanted to do. I was, I double majored in marketing and finance. I was kind of all over the place. Um, so I, I actually started in direct sales when, when I came out of college and I was doing everything from promotional merchandise, uh, selling to the liquor and beer manufacturers of the world. Um, I spent some time in the publication space. I helped start up a, a an entertainment magazine that the local newspaper w- was kind of doing. And so I was doing a lot of ad space and digital ad space uh, in that world. And I, I didn't really find my, my true fit there. I knew what I wanted to kind of do, but in Minneapolis in particular, partnerships didn't really exist in terms of, of a profession. It was still fairly new in the Bay and New York. That was it was fairly well established in the, in the SaaS space, but in Minneapolis it wasn't. Um, but what I did gravitate towards was a lot of sponsorship type of selling. So when we would host events, I would bring in, you know, our advertisers to help sponsor an event, and then they would get some value and and be able to distribute their product and whatnot. So I like that feel. And then it wasn't until um, I, I also spent some time doing recruiting before I got into the SaaS space. And I, I started with a local startup called Lead Pages, which was vastly growing in Minneapolis. They were just about to enter basically the hyper growth uh, phase. And that was my first BD partnership role in SaaS. And I just, I loved it. I gravitated towards it. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, we acquired a company called Drip, which is an email marketing uh, software tool. 
um, and I ran partnerships for, for them after we acquired them. Um, and then kind of have stayed in the profession ever since and just loved every minute of it. Yeah. It seems like it's one of those professions you either love it and get it, or it's just not for you, but it's something that you kind of see pretty quickly. I, my background is, seems very familiar. I mean, whenever I was, you know, jumped in a sprint late nineties, uh, quickly found this world of biz dev strategic partnering kind of building these products building these solutions you know with and through partners and man it i was just it was instant love you know i mean i just there was no reason to leave and and i never did that sounds uh sounds very familiar but brandon i'd like for you to to share a little bit about side improve you know the company that you're with now and uh, you know what is it that that you guys do just tell us a little bit about the company yeah so uh same for, we've been around for about 18, 19 years. We're actually based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, and then we have branches is kind of all over, all over the globe. I office out of the Minneapolis office. We have about 200 employees here. And then we have uh, an office up in Toronto, uh, an office up at, over in Australia. So kind of dispersed globally. We're at about 600 employees and we've kind of went through this transformation of an organization. Um, you know, we started as a simple crawler that was looking for broken links uh, 18 years ago. And since that, as, since the, these 18 years, we've kind of become a, a solution that provides basically insights to your content strategy and all your digital channels all in one main platform. And then we provide insights and actionable items that you can actually um, take advantage of and then improve the content and improve your strategy across all your digital channels. So we're so much more than what we were, what we were 17 years ago. And so we're solving a really unique problem. And one of the things that, that kind of sets ourselves out in the industry is accessibility. So we, we sit on the board of the W3C and our, our tool then provides insights into the content that is on your web properties what is failing the, the WCAG 2.1 guidelines in terms of accessibility. And then we provide you with the recommendations on why and how you should fix them. And as this digital transformation goes through and COVID kind of escalated this whole thing, right? Accessibility is becoming more and more important. Not only is it an external facing um, responsibility and initiative now, but it's also an internal. So intranets and, and all that is, are kind of focusing on accessibility. So um, that that's kind of a little bit about Site Improve and, and where we are today. And um, there's a lot that goes on with our tool, but we provide a very unique, uh, a very unique, we solve for a very unique problem, I guess you could say. Well, Brandon, as the director of partnerships, what, what types of partnerships or what are the primary types of partnerships that uh, you and your team manage? Yeah, yeah, we we kind of spread we spread wide. Um, so we're aligned we are aligned via ecosystem, and I know that's such a buzzword in the world of partnerships, but it it's very true to what I think partnerships is trying to do. So we kind of take um, our main strategy from one specific ecosystem and where that's where we're adding value already. And so our, our ecosystems that we align with are CMS providers. And so that's, you know, the Adobe's of the world, the Optimizely's of the world, uh, WordPress, Drupal. Um, and 
then we are, we're kind of tasked with going as wide and as deep within that ecosystem as possible to understand who the agency and solution and SI players are that we should be working with, as well as the technology partners that play within that ecosystem. So which integration should we be looking at? How can we leverage those integration partners to add additional value to our solution as well as just uh, leverage them to, to be able to, to provide the insights on who we should be, who else we should be working with. So we, we kind of work across those two different, um, different types of partners, both technology and, and solution. And then um, the PAMs are also tasked with running the relationship directly with the, with the CMS provider too, to just understand who we, uh, who we should be working with and, and why. Well, Brandon, uh, I think you and I share a common interest and in, in belief in that partnership success actually starts inside of your organization and inside of your partnering team. And I'd love for you to just chat with us a little bit about alignment and some of the work that needs to be done, you know, inside of your company, inside of your partnering team, uh, in order to really set yourself up for success partnering externally? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Mark. Because I don't know if you've, you've had this question asked for yourself throughout your career, but I remember people in marketing or people in product, when they're not too familiar with the partnership department, They'd be like, what do you actually do? You know, that's a, that's a very natural question. Um, so, it, and that's, that's valid. I understand it because partnerships touches a lot of different departments. It can be aligned with product. It can be aligned with marketing. It can be aligned with sales and it can be aligned with customer success. And that's truly without that alignment, partnerships isn't as successful as it should be. So developing that alignment is extremely important when you're trying to build out a partnership organization within, within a company. And so that goes along with just exposure, understanding all these different departments goals, what their KPIs are, what they're trying to accomplish, how partnerships can align with those goals and how we can make their lives easier. And then in return, ideally they'll say, all right, we should be more proactive with partnerships. We don't necessarily have to always backtrack and then try to, to work with partnerships moving forward. Let's work with them proactively. Let's develop a strategy together because at the end of the day, partnerships can impact acquisition. It can impact product strategy. It can impact churn. It can impact LTV. It can impact a lot. So the alignment of meeting weekly with the, with the departments is extremely important. Bi-weekly calls, meeting with all the department heads. So all that naturally comes, but it takes a little bit. It takes some time, but um, it's well worth it. Man, I could not agree more. I, I got to share this real quick. So whenever I was doing some research to write uh, Partnernomics, a book, the first time, and I wanted to try to address the imperatives for partnership success. And so I did a, a pretty comprehensive study, uh, looked at or interviewed more than 100 different executives across the world that, that were leading uh, partnering teams. And number two on the list was alignment. And, uh, and so it's, it's alignment of culture and alignment of strategy. You know, whenever you boil it down, 
But I think you hit the nail on the head that alignment has to happen internally first. And we have to, you know, be aligned within our own team, within our other other departments that we support, and getting that alignment there. And then what really becomes interesting, it becomes it's power, but it's also challenge. And that is whenever we need to work externally with partners. And you know, the alignments, it doesn't just stop within our companies and our organizations, but then it flows through. Uh, to partners that we have. And obviously, you know, the more aligned, the better we are aligned at culturally, as well as strategically, where we're trying to take our businesses, you know, that's going to maximize our, our probabilities of success. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing strategy, and it's an ongoing process. You know, if, if you just align internally with the departments once, and expect that to, to kind of carry you through, um, you're going to be mistaken. You need to continue to reinforce. You need to continue to talk to uh, talk to the different departments um, because the ecosystems change, customers change, the partners change. So staying on top of that um, is very important. And partnerships can provide really unique insights that can impact a lot of different things. So yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's a process, but it's super fun. Yeah, alignment is never one and done, right? It's, no, it's, never. it's an evolving beast <laughs> that we're trying to tame. Brandon, talk to us a little bit. So you've, you've obviously been a part of several different organizations and, and doing, partnership, uh, doing partnership work within each of these different organizations. What's a common mistake that you see at different companies as they are you know, looking to build partnering teams and leverage the power of partnerships? Yeah, um, oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I honestly think I think in terms of startups and in terms of organizations that that have maybe been around for a couple of years, um, unrealistic expectations when it comes to a partnership department is number one in terms of a mistake. I would say um, there's a lot of excitement that partnerships can drive for an organization. The different channels it can bring a product into partnering with a large company can, can catapult companies in, in, in SaaS tools. So unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, I think is, is, a, is a very big one. Uh, you need to probably think of a two to five year strategy to really find your way in terms of a partnership, uh, a partnership department and partnership org. And then you start hitting your stride. Uh, but if agencies are, are, coming to you and saying, we want to resell your product. We want to promote your product. It's, it's exciting to say, yeah, let's talk, let's do this and, and really shiny object it and, and kind of go to whatever agency wants to talk to you, but you really need to take a step back and assess who your customers are and whatnot. So um, just make sure you're setting the expectations, right? When you're, when you're looking to build out a partnership team, for sure. What, um, you know, what are those things that we need to get really clear on? So one of the things that, I mean, you, you hit is understanding the time, you know, just understanding the time requirement in order to stand up and really launch and support a partnering team well. Are there, are there other items besides time that it takes to be successful 
that uh, that you've experienced throughout your career that executives also need to consider when they're thinking about launching teams or if they want to get into this partnering game? Yeah, it, it's going to continue to evolve very much like the alignment in, internally, but the who you partner with two years ago is probably not going to be the same partners that you're partnering with today, depending on where, where your SaaS tool is going to go. So just, just knowing that you're going to have to be flexible, you're going to have to be nimble, you're going to have to pivot, not necessarily the company and the product that you're offering, but who you partner with and how you partner with them. Because, you know, everyone kind of kicks off a partnership program with a referral model, right? It's very easy. It's very simple. Partner enablement, materials, referral, bam. However, you're going to have to evolve that into, into a program that's just a just more. What is it? Is it, a, is it a program that the agencies are now building a practice around you? Are you going to build out now a technology partnership program that you're looking at something completely different than just revenue? Now you're looking at the KPIs when it comes to LTV, churn, all those little, uh, those KPIs when it comes to more technology side of things. Um, so just be prepared to make to change when it comes to your partnership program, I think would be the big thing. Yeah, I think you provided some some great advice there. And we commonly see it uh, within our different uh, clients, especially younger companies where uh, they have people that are really excited about, you know, some solution that they have. And there's opportunities to partner to help with sales. And a lot of times, you know, the executives say, well, our sales team is not as good as they could be. So, you know, we need to supplement that and we, we need to stand up a sales partnership program to, to help them. Um, but, you know, oftentimes what they don't understand is really how much work, how much investment, the tools, the training, the support. Uh, it's, it's not flipping a switch and you're, you're rocking and rolling, making money in a month. To your point, we commonly see even 18 to 24 months uh, before companies get a positive ROI uh, off those new partnering programs, which I think frankly comes at as a surprise uh, to a lot of mm -hmm. executives and professionals that don't understand or haven't been through, uh, you know, the process of standing up partnering teams multiple times. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very exciting if you're a new company and, and agencies or technology partners are approaching you and saying, we wanna build this integration. We wanna partner with you in this way. And it's, and it's hard to turn that down, but you need to think about it in terms of, is this gonna be a passive partner? That's just going to be very opportunistic in terms of opportunities. And then, you know, they'll build an integration, but do we have to, we have to support the API in order for that to, to work? And are those API endpoints something that we're going to support moving forward? And then does that integration break? So you really have to think, you know, to your point, 18 to 24 months in the future to really start thinking about, all right, who's the right partner for us now? And then who's the right partner for our future state and start building towards that now is, is, the, is the big thing. Brendan, I'd like to have you share some of the different tools that, that you've used in your different teams to help, you know, manage partnerships or, you know, that it helps somewhere in the partnering process. But uh, what kind of advice or insights uh, can you share with us regarding tools that you've used? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, the people over at Crossbeam are going to are going to probably love it. But we just we signed up for Crossbeam uh, six to eight months ago, and that has that has changed the way that we we onboard and and we partner with with the right organizations. Um, not only does it help you to to define the market opportunity with specific partners, but it also helps you kind of leverage the insights in terms of what integrations you should be building based off the overlaps. Um, because I think those different, those insights in terms of getting a technology partner into Crossbeam and seeing the overlaps, that really helps uh, influence a roadmap of what we should be building or what partners should be building uh, to our platform. Um, and then in relation to that, we're looking at, we just signed up for SixthSense, uh, so doing account-based marketing with that. And I think, I think the future, especially in terms of enterprise, understanding who's coming to your site and then understanding which ecosystem that customer or that prospect is already playing in, in terms of other tools that they're utilizing, that combination and that marriage is going to be a game changer in terms of how partnerships can help, help impact opportunities. Um, so I think matching those two data sets will be will be very powerful moving forward. So Brandon, as you stand up these teams, talk to us a little bit about the structure of the different teams and some of the decisions that, you know, partnering team leaders are going to need to make in order to set their teams up for success. Yeah, I, you know, when you're when you're starting a new team, I think you need to you need to hire someone who's a strategic thinker to help think of, all right, where are we gonna be in, in five years and what do we need to do to get there? And then as you build that out and the market kind of assesses and, and everything kind of naturally comes into place in terms of your partnership org, then you can start looking into um, you know, hiring partner account managers, a partner enablement manager, um, which is extremely beneficial partner enablement manager help them get up and running uh, or help your partners get up and running on the tool, the ins and outs, always being pro promoting the right products. And then I would also say um, you might as well develop the product alignment early when it comes to partnerships. So hiring some sort of partner developer that has the ear of product and can talk to the engineers about integrations, APIs, all that, all that good stuff on what we should be building. That's a really pivotal point. I think that will hopefully either be reporting through partnerships or has a dot aligned to partnerships, but it's reporting through product. And then you might as well get a partner marketer at, at the same, at the same point. Um, because you can be aligned with marketing in their department, which is great, but you need that person that's just the advocate of the partner to say, all right, marketing, you have this strategy going on or this campaign going on. We can bring X, X, and X partner, and they're going to help uh, drive these amount of attendees, these amount of this amount of leads, whatever it might be. Um, and you know, something that that we that we kind of do here is we really talk to the team about saying, we're kind of a startup inside of Clayton Proof. Like, let's be nimble. Let's think of new ideas. Let's Let's really be innovative as, as much as possible. So it's very much kind of our startup incubator inside of Site Improve is the way that, that we kind of operate here 
um, always trying to think new ideas, who we can leverage, who we should be working uh, with. Um, and I think that goes a long way in terms of innovation and being flexible and nimble. Brandon, from a, from a new partner enablement perspective, is there any secret sauce or any recommendations, insights that, that you can share of ways to just kind of kickstart new partnerships or and new partners to just really make sure that that you get off to a good start? You know, so many times whenever we're putting these partnering deals in, in place, especially these highly strategic partnerships that include a lot of innovation and we need to hash out a, a lot of the unknowns or try to hash out these unknowns, man, sometimes it's, it's, it's a challenge just to get, you know, the contract signed. Mm -hmm. And so many times, man, we're just ready to drop the pack and, and take a break for a little bit, but, you know, partnerships are all about momentum. So are there any insights that, that you could share on how do we kind of maintain momentum and just continue to, to lay some track whenever we get these new partners brought on board? Yeah, it's a great question. And it, it's one thing that we kind of, we kind of go through, we've been going through the last couple of years is we've been identifying what are the key activities that we've noticed from our high, highly engaged partners that we need to replicate with other partners. So if we do X, X, and X, this increases opportunities, this increases dialogue, this incre increases potential revenue, this increases, you know, whatever KPIs that you're, that you're monitoring. And those key activities then are the scalable activities that we need to do with all of our different partners. They, they require time, but if you get buy-in from the partner from the, from the start and just be transparent, we're gonna be looking for feedback on this type, type of stuff. We're gonna be continuing to evolve and make sure that the partner feels like, all right, this is, this is a journey. We're, we're in this together. This is gonna be mutually beneficial. It, it's a fine balance between that approach and then being as prescriptive as possible with this is how you partner with us. Um, so I think if you can nail those two, you can create the momentum with those partners that is, is scalable uh, with, the right, uh, with the right approach. Yeah, man, I think that's great advice. Well, one of, the, one of the things that we recommend is that companies actually build out, uh, we call it a first 90 days plan. Mm -hmm. and, and ideally to get buy-in on that first 90 days plan before your partnering agreement is signed. And then that way, the, the partners just have this path. They have this map that's already marked out for them of what we're going to be doing. And, and we believe, you know, success breeds success. And it's all about momentum and keeping that positive momentum. And if we're able to, to show that success, uh, you know, we're just we're, we're setting ourselves up for something great rather than just seeing, you know, so many times we, we see. Uh, the finish line is just getting that damn deal signed, you know, just get the deal signed. <laughs> but we all know that's when the hard work begins. You know, yep. that's, that's when our executives and our leaders uh, expect to get results after that. So we have to have a, a way to, to, you know, to make the next steps clear for them. I uh, couldn't agree. I mean, one, just one quick point on that. I mean, I couldn't agree more with the 90 days. And if you're going to be adopting 90 days in your partner program, I think getting that, and it sounds like this is what you're familiar with, getting that in front of the partner as soon as possible to make sure that they get that buy-in. And if they're not ready to go through that 90 days, 
that's completely fine, right? Because then, then you know that they're not necessarily aligned with you as an organization moving forward. But if they do say, oh yeah, we can do this 90 days, we're ready for it. Then you know you have a partner for the long-term and they're, they're already bought in, they're ready to go. So I, I just completely agree with, with that approach. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, Brandon, one last question before we let you go. And I just, I just wanna ask, uh, you know, what, is, what do you recommend for partnering professionals that are looking to be really well-rounded? It's, it's always, I'm fascinated to hear about, you know, the path that people take to get to where they are. Your background in finance, I'd imagine that served you well. Your background in, in marketing has served you well as a partnering professional. Uh, since there is no bachelor's or master's degree in strategic partnering, I'm going to have you uh, share some of your insights of, you know, what, what are some things that partnering professionals can do to be well-rounded? Yeah, it's really good. And I, I just love that question because I think you need as a partnership profession professional, you need to be diverse. You need to be able to talk all the different um, the different aspects of how you want to partner with all, all the different technology partners, the agency partners, whoever it might be. So understanding marketing, getting to know marketing. Um, I, I was taught under um, at lead pages under a brilliant marketer who um, everything that we kind of learned at lead pages has stuck with me in, in terms of how, how to go to market and how to do marketing and, and, and whatnot. So I think understanding marketing is super important. Understanding sales, because you do need to, you know, understand on how to pitch your product, your partnership program and, and why it's going to be beneficial for the agency. And then I'm a huge believer on, on technology partnerships. That's a lot of my background. So understanding APIs, talk technical, um, I think will go a long way in the partnership profession. Uh, the worlds of APIs are, are only going to continue to increase. So understanding on how to talk to an engineer about endpoints and, and how our tool can talk to their tool and really think outside the box of, all right, this can kind of be on how our solution can be built within your tool uh, will go a long way. So go wide in terms of your, uh, your expertise. You don't necessarily have to be an expert on everything, but be able to talk to it and be educated. I think so many times as partnering professionals, we, uh, I, mean, I call us the air traffic controllers. You know, we, we don't necessarily know how to fly the planes, but we need to know what the planes do and we need to be able to keep them organized. You know, whether we're talking to people in product, in marketing, in finance, in legal, in fulfillment, you name it, right? We, we don't necessarily have, we, we don't, they don't even report to us, but we need to be able to provide, you know, the, the leadership of what the partnering strategies are all about and be able to you know adequately in, inform and influence people so that we can pull off the strategies that uh, that our executives are expecting us to to pull off so Brandon man it's been awesome having a chance to chat with you to learn about your yeah, background all the cool stuff you guys are doing uh, you use the e-word several times oh ecosystems and uh, we all know that APIs and all these interconnectedness, man, I couldn't agree more. We're just going to continue to see more and more of that with companies. Uh, so, man, it's going to be really fun to, to watch you continue to grow in your career and all the good stuff that you and the team are doing at Sight Improve. Yeah, thanks for having me.
appreciate it. It's always fun to, to kind of riff on, on partnerships and talk a little bit about strategy and, and what's going on out there. Well, Brandon, thank you, sir. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com. <laughs>